With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's evening news. We will get to the president's press conference with Vladimir Putin, which is all over the news. But we've got news closer to home. You will all probably be relieved to know that a week from tomorrow uh, will be the conclusion of the Republican runoff as we head into the general election. Joining me on the phone this hour is a man who will equally be relieved that next week arrives, Lieutenant Governor Casey Cagle. Welcome to the program. Eric, it's great to be with you, and you're exactly right. Eight days out, so I, I, we're you know, uh, certainly working hard and counting the days. Irrespective of the candidates in this race, uh, both of you by this point, you've just you got to be exhausted. It's time to get this thing over. <laughs> Well, it's actually kind of funny. Uh, last night, um, uh, Brian and I kind of talked a little bit about that. Yeah, we're we're going to be ready to get out out from in this arena at least, and uh, and then focus on the Democrat for sure. <laughs> okay. Now, and yes, okay. I, I'm glad you said that because I was going to get to that later. But let's get to it right now. the The Democratic Party, according to the AJC, has received a big chunk of change from Soros-connected groups and others. And I don't mean that pejoratively. Everyone says, "Oh, the Soros groups." When, when this actually is one of the Soros groups. Uh, Putting them ahead of the Republican Party in Georgia in terms of money, it's really amazing to me that um, both the Democrat, uh, Stacey Abrams, and their party are having to rely on money from out of state to try to prop themselves up. Well, there's there's no question, and that's exactly what we're seeing as a pattern across America, and certainly it's going to be true here. It's going to be John Ossoff all over again, where you know so much money is going to flood into the state. Um, and sadly enough, it's all liberal individuals that are trying to persuade, uh, change the politics. And there is so much at stake, as you well know, not just in terms of uh, congressional um, uh, districts that are going to be drawn that could also impact what happens in Washington. But quite honestly, you know, the other thing is you're going to have a governor that has a veto pen. And all of those things that we that matter to us, along with the judges that are going to be appointed, these are all uh, serious issues. And so it is paramount that we are successful not only on the 24th, but obviously in November as well. 
Now, in that regard, uh, Governor Deal has come out today and endorsed you. He stayed on the sidelines the whole time. A lot of people, I think, thought he was going to stay on the sidelines the whole time. And and, in, and now he's in for you. you. You have been his lieutenant governor his entire eight years. You were Sonny Purdue's lieutenant governor for four years. And, and now this this kind of seems almost like icing on the cake, so to speak, that, that this all, everything's aligning in that direction. Well, it was a very humbling um, experience today. Number one, I have admired uh, Governor Deal. I've known him for a long time. Uh, he is, in my uh, view, a, a strong man of integrity, of character, a uh, person who is a visionary and has led our state for eight, seven and a half years now in just such a, a remarkable way. And you look at the things that you know we have partnered together on, uh, the job growth uh, numbers that have been unprecedented, uh, along with small businesses, the creation of over 40,000, uh, the venture capital presence, which is something that I personally am very involved in. It's quadrupled. And industries that have been created now in terms of manufacturing, 35% more, a film industry that now is a $10 billion industry. Our GDP growth leads the entire Southeast. Uh, it's a remarkable set of accomplishments. And what he stated today is that he wants the best person, you know, that's going to be able to continue to see that economic prosperity occur. And he said that I was that guy. And to have his faith and to have his trust is um, obviously very, very important and, and is humbling as well. So we're excited to have his support, but we're also excited about what the future holds for our great state. And we've got a great story to tell. And it's going to be a, it's going to be a real special story to tell because it's going to be a great contrast between me and Stacey Abrams, I can tell you. Now, you have crisscrossed this state, and I'm sure you are well aware of the, the infrastructure needs and wants of this state now, including Atlanta. Oh, man. Yeah, there's no question. We, we, and we get to hear it on WSB on a regular <laughs> basis. But, you know, the, 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 this is another thing that excites me because we're expected to grow by four, roughly four million people in less than 15 years. And so uh, as governor, I got a plan and I have to shape for what that growth is going to look like. And so infrastructure is paramount. We've got to have an infrastructure to sustain the growth of the state. And what we witnessed with the I-85 bridge collapse is that yeah, our infrastructure is built for half the size of the population we have right now, okay? Uh, but also, the other thing is it shows you when government gets out of the way and you incentivize the private sector to do what they do best, you can build a bridge back in 45 days. And that's the secret sauce. And we've got a partner in President Trump right now that is doing things around regulation that 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 is going to afford us to get things done in a much faster pace than we have ever before. And we're going to put more resources, more dollars into transportation. We're going to think outside the box. We're going to utilize our our current infrastructure in a more efficient way um, and utilizing reversible lanes on uh, the interstate system where we have additional capacity that we can put movable barriers in to do that. We're going to explore elevated road system, getting things off the grid uh, and, and not being disruptive to the current flow of traffic. And we're going to look at you know, a tunnel under Atlanta, which I think is critically important as well when we think about the kind of growth that we're going to experience. And to that point, we're going to look at, you know, transit in terms of our bus rapid transit, which we just uh, committed $100 million on 400 to do. We're going to look at more 
really congestion price solutions that are going to give guaranteed deliverables to consumers. And that becomes exciting when we think about it. And looking at autonomous vehicles and, and the way in which technology is changing so rapidly that, uh, you know, it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great eight, ten years uh, to be focused on, on doing some great things for Georgia. Now, it, let me ask you a question because you, you've mentioned the tunnel idea before, and I, I'm very intrigued by it because I think it's such a novel approach. But uh, all the free marketeer guys, when they look at this, they, they start to cringe a little bit just given the, the infrastructure and the costs to be able to do something like that. How, how would you think we might be able to do something like that? Well, first of all, it is big. I mean, there's no no doubt. Um, but I do think that we're, you know, that's who Georgia is. I mean, when you think of uh, the great things that we have accomplished um, in our state, we never did that by just becoming complacent. We had to, to have visionaries that thought, you know, 10, 20 years ahead. And, and the tunnel itself is one. Now, let me tell you a couple of things. One is... I like the idea because it it, it doesn't disrupt the, the current flow of traffic. If you're thinking about the downtown connector right now, what other solutions do you have? Um, I mean, yes, we can do more on 285, which we're going to do. We can do more on the existing thoroughfare. But we spend more on right-of-way acquisition today than we do on road construction. Okay, that's how expensive it is. A tunnel, you're off the grid. You're able to do something that uh, doesn't disrupt that flow of traffic. And and honestly, technology has come so far uh, that tunneling is not as I mean, it's expensive. Don't get me wrong, but but it's something that we need to look at in terms of an ROI. And I think it is a great, meaningful solution to you know the downtown connector. The last study that showed a seventy seventy percent reduction in traffic flow in the in the downtown connector. So these are things that, you know, are exciting. I mean, we've got to go through the due diligence. We need to put an RFP out there or at least a request for proposal to look at uh, what kind of cost numbers we would be looking at. And certainly it would be something that would be long-term range. But uh, we have to look at it and uh, and analyze it. And I think it's, uh, you know, it is very meaningful. All right. Well, we're going to come back and keep talking. Uh, we got to go take a quick time out and check traffic again. I'm with Lieutenant Governor Casey Cagle. Join Joining me this full hour, we will be back. Let me take a quick time out to thank this week's sponsor, ExpressVPN. Now, you may not need a VPN. I do for my work, and I've been trying to find a good one that isn't going to break the bank, and it's sometimes very difficult and it's hard to set up. For those of you who don't know what a VPN is, a virtual private network, uh, it lets you privately and securely use the Internet at fast speeds without being tracked by anyone. Oftentimes, you have companies that require you to have a VPN into their um, system, and you just, you, sometimes you need them so you can't be tracked. With all the news coming out about data hacks and breaches, it's hard for me not to be worried about my digital privacy. No matter what you do online, your mobile carrier, internet service providers, they're tracking you. Doesn't matter what your cable company is or your phone company, wherever you're getting your internet from, you're probably being tracked. With ExpressVPN, your internet data is encrypted. Your IP address is hidden. ExpressVPN covers less than 7 bucks a month. It's rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and dozens of expert reviewers. It has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, your phone, your tablet. Yes, you can use them on your phone and tablet. If you're on unsecure Wi-Fi and you want to keep hackers and spies from seeing your data, ExpressVPN is for you. 
Now, to take back your internet privacy today, to find out how you can get three free months, go to expressvpn.com slash Eric. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash Eric for three months free with a one-year package. Every day you use the internet without ExpressVPN, you're putting sensitive information at risk. So don't put this off. Protect your online data with ExpressVPN today. Visit expressvpn.com slash Eric to learn more. It's 25 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. All this hour, I've got the lieutenant governor of Georgia who just got endorsed by the current governor of Georgia for his position. Uh, the running for governor. I guess I should clarify that. For those of you not paying attention, there's an election next week. Casey Cagle, I was going to move on to other topics, but then I made the mistake of looking at social media while we were in commercial break, and I got about a dozen people who were demanding I ask you what your thoughts are on uh, trains and subways, if you're going to build a tunnel under Atlanta for cars. Uh, well, well, there's no doubt that technology is changing drastically. Um, you know, I don't Trains is an interesting conversation um, because there's a lot of regional uh, discussion right now that's uh, uh, connecting Atlanta to possibly Charlotte. Uh, that's occurring down in Florida right now, u- utilizing a new rail system that would be run that would actually present a better option for individuals instead of air travel. Uh, they would have a train leaving every hour on the hour, and a lot of private equity that is behind it. Um, and so we also know in terms of you know, subways and other things that are occurring, uh, particularly with Elon Musk, uh, what could, you know, what could come in the very near future is real. But I will tell you the autonomous aspect of of trains, and we see that at the airport in Atlanta as well. Uh, This is great, um, great options that can be deployed, particularly in downtown communities uh, that get, uh, you know, in in our, in in downtown Atlanta to get people out of their cars and be able to be in a, uh, really a, a, a train type of system that moves them east, west, north, south, and have the connectivity there. So we have to analyze all of that, and I think that there, you know, clearly uh, there's, uh, Gwinnett is looking right now uh, very seriously at an expansion uh, with the new uh, system that we've created uh, with the ATL. So it's, uh, it's going to be exciting times for the future. Now we got about we've got less than a minute before I have to go into another break in, in hard news at the bottom of the hour, uh, and I, I really, when I hear Republicans in particular, uh, you Brian Kemp and whatnot talking about your different plans and stuff, all, all I hear in the back of my head is where do we where do we change our tax policy in the state either to in increase taxes to pay for this stuff or incentivize the private sector to to come in and, and help us with that. Um, and, and I want to talk to you about that when we come back. I also think when we come back, I, I do want to get your take, because we, we've heard everybody else's take in the world on this, on uh, Mr. Tippin's conversation with you that he's released. Uh, let you be able to talk about that and get your side out when we come back. Thanks very much for sticking around. When we come back, Lieutenant Governor on taxes and the tape. Well, I would just like to say that our guest has the patience of Job to be able to sit through all the traffic and commercials. Thank you very much, Lieutenant Governor Casey Cagle. 
<laughs> well, it was my pleasure to do it. Now I'm caught up on all the news there. <laughs> okay, uh, it, it, look, i, I got to ask you about this. It, it's kind of the, the elephant in the room in, in the runoff, runoff in, in the Tippins audio, and, and this kind of gets to the, the lingering sentiment you see among a lot of Republican voters, whether it goes to, to RIFRA or other things, that, that politicians say things on the campaign trail or do things, and then that they when they get in office, they get elected, that they, they don't deliver on those things, and on the Tippins audio, it, it you suggest you supported a policy because of the election, but you don't think it's a policy. And and I mean, I, I'd really like to get your your take on that yourself because we hear from a lot of other people, but we haven't heard from you. Well, first of all, I'm glad you brought it up, and I'm delighted to talk about it. And you know, this is obviously a, has been a huge learning uh, opportunity for me. Um, and I think if people are honest with themselves, if you have someone that is following you around with a recorder all the time, uh, you choose your words probably a little bit more carefully. And uh, certainly in, in this instance, um, you know, I, uh, I would have. Um, the problem that we find ourselves in is that there was an individual that I was trying to be nice to that came into my office uh, under a false pretense to say uh, that we were I was seeking his endorsement uh, and we went down this little uh, trail uh, where you know he wanted to lead me and this was a conversation about his uncle now I agree with you uh, with what you just stated I do think that uh, I get frustrated as well when politicians say one thing and do another um, but let me be very clear about this particular issue uh, on the issue of expanding uh, more options and choices for our kids. No one has a stronger record. I was there to put the SSOs, the student scholarship organizations, in place. And on the expansion of that, yes, I will be candid in saying that I would have liked to have seen more of that go to truly needy individuals among us, um, but uh, we weren't able to get there. Now, I worked with the uh, the advocates throughout the interim, along with the House Republicans and many of the Senate Republicans, to come to a consensus. I had one person standing in the way, and I was not going to allow that one person to stand in the way of getting something done. And so, yes, we passed that piece of legislation. The conversation I was having with uh, Clay Tippins was, uh, one about his uncle and uh, in the in the context of his uncle's perspective and his uncle was adamantly opposed to that piece of legislation along with equal funding for charter schools and um, and then we were able to leverage all of that to get a full a full funding for k-12 education but make no mistake about it my record for choice and option for education no lieutenant governor or governor has done more on this issue uh, than what I have well, you know, I agree with you in the audio. You make the case of it's kind of it's sad the way and it's not just the Republican Party, both parties these days. You have a, a race towards the Nixon strategy, as they used to call it. You go secure the base on the outer edges and you rush to the center. And I mean, for God's sakes, we had a deportation bus in this campaign trying to to get people there but then like the the delta issue with the nra and and i i wonder was is delta going to get that tax break if you become governor and and was this part of having to to placate the the gun groups to get the nra support and it just it it draws out the cynicism in me i guess is what i'm saying well, 
and it, no, and I, I think that that's a fair fair point. But again, uh, you know, my opponent, the only thing he has to run on is 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 this recording. I'm running on my record, and my record speaks for itself. And the record has been clear. And there's nobody that's been stronger to defend the Second Amendment than I am. That's why the NRA has endorsed my campaign, not just simply over the Delta issue. That's just one way in which you know I personally am tired of conservatives getting kicked around and us not pushing back. We have to fight back. And I have done that throughout the throughout my time in public office. I'm going to stand up uh, for conservatives. Uh, no different than when I defunded Planned Parenthood. No different than I passed a sanctuary city law uh, and had the courage to go after Decatur to hold them accountable as well when they were violating uh, what the law is. I mean, these are things that are record. It's not rhetoric. Um, and I think that's the great distinction. It's easy in a campaign for people to talk like they're a conservative. But what's their record, right? I mean, you see a record on Second Amendment strong. You see a record on pro-life that is strong. You see a record on illegal immigration that is strong. I mean, the toughest illegal immigration bill in the country in our state, along with the sanctuary city, all of these things are conservative principles, along with cutting taxes, $5.7 billion. I mean, this is a conservative record, and no one can attack me on my record, so therefore they send in, under false pretense, this idea of let's go try to trap Casey in certain words to present it in a way uh, that, that makes him look like someone that he's not. And that is offensive. And more importantly, is that really the governor that you want? I mean, I had a cut we today. We met with Mercedes Benz. And do you want I mean, what do you think a president, a CEO of a corporation after they know that you deliberately went in and secretly taped someone for political gain? Are you honestly think we're good? They're going to we're going to get their business? No. Mm-hmm. People that do that. Who does that? I mean, I don't know anyone <laughs> that does that with real character and integrity. Uh, but it was clear what the intention is now, and it's also clear that my opponent was in the middle of it because he's the one releasing the tapes. And so this is this is a trust issue at, now, at the highest degree. I, I think the, the, the Kemp campaign, I guess, actually, I just got an email from them with, with one of the Tippins audio clips. I don't know that they set him up to do that, but just on the specific Delta issue, um, when, when you become governor, um, are you going to reconsider that tax cut or if they haven't changed their NRA position? No, I'm not. Absolutely not. I've I've been very very clear on my position on on this issue, and and it's not just that. It, it I mean, Delta's one thing because they're the biggest fish in the bowl, right? Because mm-hmm. they're our largest employer. But listen. I mean, we've got gun manufacturers in the state right now that are being that are being punished uh, because they are viewed as risky business. And so Intuit and other types of credit card processing companies are saying, we're no longer going to do business with you. We're cutting you off. We've got to push back against that as well. I mean, in every category, there is the liberal left that is trying to push their way to make conservatives bow to their their viewpoint and I'm just not willing to do it and I've got a record on doing it that's why several years ago we passed a law that said financial institutions couldn't do that to gun manufacturers and ammunition all of these things are my record okay that I have been focused on and that's what conservatives do I'm not a Johnny come lately I'm not a guy that just shows up in a room that has a lot of guns or can see who can you know who can put put a video that can can blow as many things 
loads up and run around in a right. big truck saying I'm going to deport everyone. I mean, <laughs> okay. You know, hey, I got to I, I got to put you on hold there because we ran long, so I, I I let you talk through traffic. When I come back, though, I want to let you get a chance just to talk to the voters and not to me. We'll be right back here on WSB. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is 55 after the hour. We've got about a minute and a half left. Um, Lieutenant Governor, first, thanks for spending the whole hour with me. And I don't even want to ask you a question. This is your time. we got a huge audience. Uh, why should they vote for you? Oh, well, thanks for having me again, and get, and you've been very gracious with your time. Uh, first and foremost, I mean, what you have in Casey Cagle is a consistent conservative uh, who has a record, a record of accomplishments of cutting taxes, along with building a world-class uh, educational system that we've worked on with our College and Career Academy network across the state, um, and along with uh, historic job numbers, um, compared to, obviously, uh, my opponent, who, sadly enough, his record is not one that he wants to run on. That's why these tapes have been uh, at the forefront. Uh, I will tell you that for me, it's about continuing the economic prosperity of the state, 500,000 jobs in the first four years at my administration. I'm going to take taxes below 5%. I'm going to put zero-based budgeting where things are programmed out to where we analyze every agency from what is their core competency that they have to produce and weigh that against the, the amount of money that's going to cost to do it. Uh, we're going to build the infrastructure for tomorrow that's going to sustain the growth in which we're going to need. Uh, but along with that, we're going to create a world-class workforce that is second to none, abandoning this one-size-fits-all that says every kid's got to go off and get a four-year degree. And we're going to make these individuals that are sitting at home collecting a check uh, that are able-bodied people on the sofa. It's no longer going to happen. We're going to have drug tests. We're going to have we're going to have drug testing, but we're also going to have work requirements for those individuals. We're going to build this workforce. Governor, Lieutenant Governor Casey Cagle, thank you very, very much for joining me today. It is nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is WSB. My thanks again to Lieutenant Governor Casey Cagle, who was with me the entire last hour. If you'd like to re-listen to that interview or if you missed it, you can text the word show to 345-345. We'll have it available for you later. Um, I the, the Kemp campaign, by the way, tells me that they vehemently deny they were behind the Clay Tippins uh, audio. Um, they're happy, they say, to expose the lieutenant governor's own words to you, but that they didn't put Clay Tippins up to doing that. Uh, Clay Tippins himself has said it was all him, uh, just so you know. Uh, and there is more audio that has come out uh, this afternoon, actually, while I was meeting with lieutenant governor. Uh, I listened to it. I can't play it because I haven't bleeped it yet. But nonetheless, um, there you have it. My thanks, though, to the lieutenant governor willing to take the questions about the audio and whatnot. Uh, you can listen to what he said. Text show to three four five three four five. We got to move into the Russia stuff. Uh, and the president of the United States uh, in his conference with Mr. Putin and their president has worked a miracle. And I mean that genuinely. The president has worked a miracle. I do not recall the last time that virtually every major voice on the left, right, and center was united. 
and they are all united in outrage by the president's press conference with Vladimir Putin. And, and before we really get directly into that, I I wonder, and I'm I'm sincere in this. I do wonder if the media and the Democrats had not rushed so quickly into claiming that um, this was all about getting Trump elected and, and stopping Hillary Clinton, would the president's response be different? Now, I, I've, I put this on Twitter earlier, and Democrats were saying, well, you, you heard Vladimir Putin say he wanted Trump elected. Well, you also heard him say that he didn't interfere in the election. This is exactly what he would do to continue to sow discord in the process. I mean, it really is. Um, The record shows, the legitimate record shows that the Russians wanted to interfere in the election and sow discord among the left and the right. They were backing protests in favor of Hillary Clinton. They were backing protests in favor of Donald Trump. They had people who were close to the Clinton campaign. They had people who were close to the Trump campaign. They were running ads on social media for Hillary Clinton. They were running ads on social media for Donald Trump. They wanted to sow discord. To the extent that Vladimir Putin today came out and said that, that yes, he wanted Donald Trump to get elected, that is just more sowing discord. And it's really funny to see liberals yelling at me for for asking the question, what would the president's response be if they hadn't made it so very much about Donald Trump? Well, Vladimir Putin was out there saying he wanted Donald Trump. Exactly. Exactly. Now he's, he's continuing to whip everybody up into a frenzy and having Donald Trump defend the Russians. It was bad form for the president to do what he did. I'm surprised Dan Coats hasn't resigned yet. Uh, we will open the phone lines and take your thoughts on this as well. 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Here's a couple of the sound bites from the press conference earlier today. Question for each president. President Trump, yes. you first. Um, just now, President Putin denied having anything to do with the election interference in 2016. Every U.S. intelligence agency has concluded that Russia did. What, who, my first question for you, sir, is who do you believe? My second question is, would you now, with the whole world watching, tell President Putin, would you denounce what happened in 2016, and would you warn him to never do it again? So let me just say that we have two thoughts. You have groups that are wondering why the FBI never took the server. Why haven't they taken the server? Why was the FBI told to leave the office of the Democratic National Committee? I've been wondering that. I've been asking that for months and months, and I've been tweeting it out and calling it out on social media. Where is the server? I want to know where is the server and what is the server saying? With that being said, all I can do is ask the question. My people came to me, Dan Coates came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, He just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be, but I really do want to see the server. Mr. President, you tweeted this morning that it's U.S. foolishness, stupidity, and the Mueller probe that is responsible for the decline in U.S. relations with Russia. Do you hold Russia at all accountable for anything in particular 
And if so, what would you, what would you consider them that they are responsible for? Yes, I do. I hold uh, both countries responsible. I think that the United States has been foolish. I think we've all been foolish. We should have had this dialogue a long time ago, a long time, frankly, before I got to office. And I think we're all uh, to blame. I think that the United States now has stepped forward along with Russia, and we're getting together, and we have a chance to do some great things, whether it's nuclear proliferation in terms of stopping. We have to do it. Ultimately, that's probably the most important thing that we can be working on. But uh, I do feel that uh, we have both made some mistakes. I think that the, the probe is a disaster for our country. I think it's kept us apart. It's kept us separated. There was no collusion at all. Uh, everybody knows it. You know, I'm old enough to remember when Republicans were outraged by Barack Obama going on a world apology tour. I don't think the president of the United States should go abroad and criticize uh, American institutions. And I'm not the only one. Uh, Donald Trump and Mike Pence have both gone on record in the past criticizing Barack Obama for, in press conferences abroad, criticizing American institutions. And I don't think he should have done that. I think it was bad form. Um, We've also got this indictment today of this woman uh, who was a Russian, is a Russian agent who tried to get the NRA to help her. Uh, I I think the media is overblowing the NRA connection, but she very clearly uh, was trying to set up uh, connections between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin, according to the indictment. Uh, they've got a lot of uh, audio recordings, uh, transcripts, and audio they've put into the indictment uh, to show it. Uh, it's just, y'all, the president shouldn't have done what he did today. And you, you can, you don't have to believe me. You can believe Newt Gingrich. Uh, you can believe Tom Cotton, who's one of President Trump's biggest supporters in the Senate. You can believe Paul Ryan. You can believe Bob Goodlatte. This is the first time since Donald Trump's elected, Bob Goodlatte has criticized the president. You don't even have to go to John McCain. Uh, even the president's staunchest allies in the House and the Senate are criticizing the president's performance today. Uh, and I, I wish he wouldn't have done it. Every, You know, I, I mentioned this the, the other day. Every time I want to fully support the president and say, you know what, he's I've changed my mind, he's my guy. He does something like this, and I step back. And the only reassurance is that the left is soon going to overplay their hand, and I'm going to step back towards him again. Um, but, man, he should not have he should have gone in better prepared and not done what he did today. It was not his finest hour to go in there and blast American institutions uh, and deny that the Russians had any meddling at all. By the way, it, it, I think it, by this point it's beyond doubt the Russians were meddling. Uh, and I do wonder if the if the Democrats and the media had not made it about them helping him, because I don't think the Russians were actually there to help him. I think they were there to uh, just interfere with the election. I, I wonder if he would be more willing to say, yeah, we think they did it. And not just, I believe, Vladimir Putin. You shouldn't believe a dictator who kills anyone who disagrees with him. Um, I just, yeah, this is a bad taste in my mouth. And, and I know I'm not alone today looking at even a lot of Trump supporters out there saying, yeah, he shouldn't have done that. Um, you can say he's better than the other side still. Fair point. But eh, shouldn't have gone to Helsinki and agreed with the Russian president that American institutions are wrong.
Let me take a quick time out to thank this week's sponsor, ExpressVPN. Now, you may not need a VPN. I do for my work, and I've been trying to find a good one that isn't going to break the bank, and it's sometimes very difficult and it's hard to set up. For those of you who don't know what a VPN is, a virtual private network, uh, it lets you privately and securely use the internet at fast speeds without being tracked by anyone. Oftentimes, you have companies that require you to have a VPN into their um, system, and you just, you, sometimes you need them so you can't be tracked. With all the news coming out about data hacks and breaches, it's hard for me not to be worried about my digital privacy. No matter what you do online, your mobile carrier, internet service providers, they're tracking you. Doesn't matter what your cable company is or your phone company, wherever you're getting your internet from, you're probably being tracked. With ExpressVPN, your internet data is encrypted. Your IP address is hidden. ExpressVPN covers less than 7 bucks a month. It's rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and dozens of expert reviewers. It has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, your phone, your tablet. Yes, you can use them on your phone and tablet. If you're on unsecure Wi-Fi and you want to keep hackers and spies from seeing your data, ExpressVPN is for you. Now, to take back your internet privacy today, to find out how you can get three free months, go to expressvpn.com slash Eric. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash Eric for three months free with a one-year package. Every day you use the internet without ExpressVPN, you're putting sensitive information at risk. So don't put this off. Protect your online data with ExpressVPN today. Visit expressvpn.com slash Eric to learn more. It's 25 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk to the phones we go. Jim and Conyers, welcome. Well, I enjoy your show, and I want to throw a couple items out for your perspective or review. Okay. Number one is, as you well know, you can indict a ham sandwich. So the DOJ indictment is not a conviction. It's nothing more than an allegation. Well, but it, it arises the, more than an allegation because the allegation gets the investigation going, and it's what they found. And, yeah, you can if you're a good prosecutor, you can indict a ham sandwich. But this looks more than a ham sandwich when you've got her own words on the recordings. In 30 seconds, I can have an IP that shows I'm in the Ukraine or Russia and start sending you phishing emails. Mm-hmm. So – Brennan and Clapper are pathological liars. Yeah, I agree take, with you on Brennan and Clapper. It doesn't take a whole lot of IT knowledge to start sending emails, phishing emails or whatever, from a Russian-based IP. I can do it in 30 seconds because I work in IT. Yeah, but, Jim, you know, we have pretty good people who trace these things back, and it's not happening just to us. It's also happening to other countries as well, and they're all coming from the same general area in Russia. And you have the Russians who have been bragging about it even to the New York Times that they were running an operation from this building. Hackers come from all kinds of places. But remember one, another thing. Obama openly interfered in his, Israel's election, and you don't see the media jumping on about that. So because Obama did it with Israel, we should be okay if the Russians no, did it to us? No. I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying is, is that I want to see proof, not allegations, proof. And since I can fake, I can fake what they did as any good hacker could. I don't see proof. All I see is mud thrown at the wall. What about the transcript recordings today of the woman who got indicted today? 
The woman indicted today, was that the one that was meeting with Donald Trump Jr.? Uh, no, uh, that, that was, uh, what's her name, Vilsniskaya. This is someone else who was working for a uh, gun rights group that was trying to set up a meeting with Putin and Trump, and it turns out she was a Russian spy. I, I, I don't doubt that we spy, on, that they spy on us, but... We spy on them. All yeah, countries but, spy but on each other. But it doesn't make it right. Listen, Jim, it doesn't make it right. And I had to let you go because we, we don't have any time left. Um, but, yeah, you can say it's an allegation, but the indictment's pretty substantive. Go read the indictments, if you will, um, because it's not just hackers. It's 39 after the hour. I, I, I hope Jim is still listening. Um, Jim called in. He's in IT. He says it could have been hackers pretending to be Russians. Uh, how do we know it was the Russians? Well, then it was someone who was hacking the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign and sending phishing teams. And if it wasn't the Russians, um, you would think that the American institutions would want to find a some someone other than the Russians to blame someone they can actually arrest as opposed to saying it was the Russians. But if you actually read the indictment from the Department of Justice the other day, one of the things that they note is the reason they know it's not hackers, as Jim speculated, it could have been hackers, is because what the Russian agents did was they actually rented a server at a server farm in Arizona at one point, we're physically going to the server, not just remotely accessing it. But then when they did remotely access it, um, we have enough data to track how they were accessing it to know it, it wasn't someone masquerading as Russians. Uh, there was a direct connection, and eventually they did try to uh, subvert how they were accessing the server. And in trying to subvert how they accessed the server, uh, they had another server that they would access, and then they would go around the world trying to get it. But in everything consistently led back to the same address uh, in Moscow that is run by the GRU, which is the Russian intelligence service. All you got to do is read the indictment. And you can say it's an allegation, but read the indictment. I mean, it, it, they swear under oath that these facts are true. Uh, and if you don't believe the facts, well, then we're post-truth. So, I mean, what good does it do? You might as well say it was Bozo the Clown if you're not going to believe the truth sworn to in court by federal officers that these things are true. And again, it comes full circle to you would think that they wouldn't want to say it wasn't the Russians, that it was someone they could arrest in this country and blame. Um, and they haven't done that. They've said it was the Russians, and they've named the specific Russian individuals involved. And today they've indicted another Russian. It, it is beyond the pale. By the way, Dan Coates, the national intelligence director, has fairly well blasted the president today, uh, late this evening. I mean, there is, I, I haven't found a, an elected official yet, a Republican elected official yet, defending the president uh, over this press conference today. That's how bad it was. Usually someone will come out and defend him, and none of them have. That's a shame that the president did that today. Not his finest moment. 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Cameron in Atlanta, you're next. Welcome. Hey, good to talk to you, Eric. I appreciate uh, you taking my call. Sure. So you you just already hit the nail on the head. I have been listening to you now for about four years. I was really a strong Democrat. I went from there to being an independent, and now I'm an independently conservative because of one principle that you always live by, which seems to be intellectual honesty. The whataboutism that the, the president engaged in the second that he started ringing up the emails is the exact kind of thing that is turning me off of this version of the Republican Party. Yeah. It's got to go further than just tweets and denouncements. 
presence. I don't care if they take them into a, a side room, but as Republicans, we've got to stand behind the people who put their lives on the line to get the information for him to be able to defend us. And when he stands next to a person who invaded Crimea and was just like, hey, that's what I do, I don't think that's necessarily becoming of us as Americans. Your thoughts? You know, well, I'm glad you said that. And, you know, hang on one second, because I had this up and and made the unfortunate mistake of closing my computer screen. Um, Tom Cotton, let me, Tom Cotton, the senator from... Uh, Arkansas, who is one of the president's strongest supporters in the Senate. Let me read you the statement that he just released a few moments ago. U.S.-Russia relations remain at a historic low for one simple reason. Vladimir Putin is a committed adversary of the United States. In the last few years alone, Russia meddled in our presidential campaign, violated arms control treaties with the United States, invaded Ukraine, assassinated political opponents in the United Kingdom, made common cause with Iran and propping up Bashar al-Assad's outlaw regime in Syria, and cheated not only in the Olympics, but even in the Paralympics. These are not the actions of a friend, an ally, or merely a nation aligned with with aligned interests. Until Russian behavior changes, our policy should not change. The United States should stay on the strategic offensive against Russia by maintaining sanctions, rebuilding our military, modernizing our nuclear forces, expanding missile defense, sending more weapons to our allies, and producing more oil and gas. Strength is the only language for which Vladimir Putin needs no interpreter. Wow. Yeah. I think we'll agree that uh, Tom Cotton... Uh, said a mouthful. Now, just to see, can anyone get the president uh, to follow up on those? And it'll be interesting to see what uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders has to say <laughs> yeah. at the next podium. I do. appreciate you. Thanks a lot, buddy. Yeah, absolutely, Cameron. Thanks very much. I do not envy Sarah Sanders in this. Uh, I don't. Um, oh, my goodness. Chris Wallace, in an interview, asked Vladimir Putin why those who oppose him end up dead or almost dead. I'm not making this up when I say Vladimir Putin's response is, haven't presidents been killed in the United States? Oh, y'all. Y'all. Wow. Ah, this this was not a good day for the president. Um, you know, God bless Bill Shine. Uh, great guy. He's the new communications director of the White House. He was fantastic at dealing with temperamental talent at Fox News. Fantastic with dealing with the president um, before he became president. Hopefully he can sort this mess out. Rose in Athens, you're next. Welcome. Hey. Um, I, I have a pretty simple question, I guess. I, I heard you ruminating on air about um, possibly if the media and the Democrats hadn't made uh, the Russian meddling um, about the election, about uh, Donald Trump winning the election, if possibly his uh, response would have been different today. And I'm just thinking um, that implies that it's uh, his ego that um, is telling him that he didn't need Russia meddling and he would have won the election because he's so wonderful. So doesn't that <laughs> kind of sound like his ego's uh not really in control, and maybe he shouldn't be president if he doesn't have better control of his ego than well, that. You know, it's funny, Rose. You say that I had a I had a, a conversation with a dear friend of mine earlier today who said, you know, you can surround yourself with people to give you good advice. You can surround yourself with people to make good decisions. You can surround yourself with people to come up with good policy, uh, but you can't surround yourself with someone to replace your gut instincts, replace your character, uh, and replace your judgment calls. And yeah, there's. Listen, this is the president's ego talking. Um, it is it is his legacy. He is very upset that he won when no one said he could. There is no evidence he colluded with the Russians. 
and but he's very sensitive to the fact the media has made it into the Russians got him the election. He didn't do it his own. So, of course, he's going to deny that and, and say it was on his own. And, and there really is no evidence that his campaign colluded with the Russians. It's just the Russians wanted to disrupt the entire election. Had Hillary Clinton bothered to go to Wisconsin, Michigan and Pennsylvania, she might have actually won the election. And she didn't. You, you can't say the Russians stole the election when the Hillary Clinton campaign was genuinely incompetent to begin with. But uh, the president's ego is involved in his legacy. It's 55 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. Uh, John Michael Cohen, the president's lawyer, has come out with a statement. I respect our nation's intelligence agencies who determined that Russia had, in fact, interfered or meddled in our democratic process. I repudiate Russia's efforts and call on all Americans to do the same. That's Michael Cohen. That Michael Cohen. Wow, that tells you where the president stands today. Jonathan and Marietta, you're next. Welcome. Hey, uh, Eric, I appreciate uh, your show. Um, so I, I, I'm actually a Trump supporter, but uh, I'm just trying to figure out how does he roll back this, the comments that he made today? Because I think he's, I think he's kind of put himself in, in between a rock and a hard place. So in your opinion, how does he roll this back and, and, and make it right? <laughs> He changes the conversation tomorrow to something else so he doesn't have to talk about it. I don't know that he can walk these comments back. Uh, they, Although he is very notorious for denying he made certain comments that he made even the day before, I think two things uh, happen. One, the Democrats overplay their hand, and then he seizes on that to change the conversation to something else, which is what this White House is actually very good at doing changing the conversation who knows tomorrow they may start talking about the the socialist candidate from new york who said she thinks we need to stop supporting israel and their occupation of palestine and then when the reporter asked her what she means she admits she really has no idea um they'll do something like that and just change the conversation i have no idea what that was Uh, oh my goodness gracious sorry about that jonathan i literally have no idea but nonetheless uh, that's what they'll do this white house is very good at pivoting uh, trying to come up with something to change the conversation. The president will be on Twitter tonight, I'm sure, doing just that. And I will see you guys tomorrow. <laughs>